Good morning, Koinonia Okotoks youth. Thank you for joining us as we go through our series in the book of Ecclesiastes. Good morning, everybody. It is great to be back. Uh, in case you didn't know, I was on vacation for the past couple of weeks, but I am super happy to be back and teaching you guys again. Now, I wasn't here last week or the week before, but uh, two weeks back, a friend of mine named Blake taught on Ecclesiastes chapter 6, and uh, we once again saw the theme that wealth brings no true happiness. Solomon has been banging the same old drum and coming to that very same conclusion every single time Meaning is that meaning is not found in wealth. We now move on to uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 7, uh, and Solomon will be comparing, uh, using the same format as the Proverbs, the difference, uh, or comparing the good and the bad of life, all to find a better way. So, uh, I have entitled this message, A Better Way, Part 1, and next week uh, we'll finish the chapter, uh, chapter 7. Uh, but uh, it's it's going to be a two-parter. So the points for this morning are as follows. Life and death, no shortcuts in life, your best life under the sun, and wise to consider God. Uh, before we, we jump on into this message, I will pray and then we'll be getting started. So Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word, and I thank you for everything we can learn through it. Uh, Lord, I, I thank you for this journey that Solomon's been going on, that we've been following him through. The ups and the downs, the heaviness, the light, uh, the, the, the rare light that we see through it. Uh, Lord, just I pray that we keep the right perspective through it, Lord, that we uh, can take something out of here that not only uh, something that we may not have known, but... Uh, that we can apply to our lives for you, for your glory, Lord. I pray this all in your name. Amen. So we see in verses 1 through 4 for the first point, a good name is better than a good ointment, and the day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth. It is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting, because that is the end of every man, and the living takes it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter. When a face is sad, a heart may be happy. The mind of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the mind, well, the mind of the fool is in the house of pleasure. So what we see here in the first four verses is that Solomon is doing a lot of comparing. Right? He starts by saying that a good name is better than good ointment or a precious oil. And that is... And, and that the day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth. Now, the first statement made is, is a very true statement that a good name is better than good oil. Right? That one kind of makes, uh, feels like it's common sense, right? It's, if you have a good reputation and a good name and people trust you, of course that's going to mean more than owning uh, some perfume or a good ointment, good oil, right? 
right? So what Solomon quickly comes back to this idea once again of legacy. What are you leaving behind? Will my name be written in the history books? And if it is, it's better than anything. Legacy. So he then follows that up, uh, this obviously true statement with another statement that is kind of odd, right? He says that the day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth. Now, if you guys remember, this isn't the first time that he has meant that Solomon has brought up I brought up death or the idea of death. Right? Uh, and not only that, the idea that death is better than life. He said he took the idea the idea that death is better than life further in Ecclesiastes chapter four, verses two through three, saying, Therefore I praised the dead who were already dead. <laughs> More than the living who are still alive. Yet better than both is he who has never existed. He who has not seen the evil work that is done under the sun. This deep meaninglessness that Solomon has seen under the sun is leading him to feel that death is better than living in a world full of meaninglessness. Right? I, I would rather be dead than ever have to, have to feel this meaninglessness Really, it's kind of sad to see how Solomon, this man who's known to be one of the wisest people who ever lived, to see him fall so far. This this man who who gave as many prover proverbs on how to live a God-honoring life is now wishing death, saying it's better to be dead than to be alive. Now... I would kind I kind of find myself agreeing with Solomon, but for different reasons, right? Death for us is more is better than uh, than life because we have this this hope, right? When we die, we know where we're going. We have a future hope in heaven, right? So. The day of one's death is better because it's our graduation to an eternal life of no more pain. But here, Solomon, Solomon is finding it really difficult. Life is meaningless and he's seeing no God in it and it's, and it's difficult. Now we as believers, we can actually, uh, we should be having the right perspective on life, right? Yes, death is Better, as I said, we can look at it the same way, but it is slightly different. Death is better than than the day of one's birth because we've graduated. But we can give glory to God through life. Okay, it says in Philippians chapter one twenty one through uh, twenty four, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet. What I shall choose, I cannot tell. For I am hard-pressed between the two, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. Right? We, we know that death is better. 
right? It, it, which is far better to be with Christ. But nevertheless, we may be needed here. To live as Christ, to die as gain, we need that right perspective. So moving on and looking at the next couple of verses, we see the same theme of life and death, as well as this theme of happiness and mourning. It says in verses 2 through 4, It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, because that is the end of every man, and the living takes it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for when a face is sad, a heart may be happy. The mind of the wise is in the house of mourning, while the mind of the fool is in the house of pleasure. So we already know that death is unavoidable. It's it's inevitable. It's un. It's like it's certain. It it'll. It's a fact of life. Right. Apart from the rapture. Now he compares here the house of mourning and the house of feasting. Now, why would the house of mourning be better? than the house of feasting. It's, it's actually quite simple. It even says it there, that the living takes it to heart. The, the fact that death is there, is uh, the fact of death is something we as humans try to ignore. I don't know about you guys, but I don't go around being like, yeah, death, oh yeah, I love, I love some death. I, uh, I, I can't wait. I mean, I can't wait to be in heaven, but death scares me. The idea of dying, right? We try. We spend our whole lives trying to ignore that. But when you go to the house of mourning, when you go to like a funeral, it's something unavoidable. It's something you can't ignore anymore. So it's kind of, it, it's sobering, right? It's a, it's a sad, sad thing that will eventually happen to everybody, but it's sobering to see it. We take it to heart. Whereas when you're in the house of feasting, you're not thinking about anything but enjoying yourselves. It's the opposite. So, um, I also, I really love how uh, it's put in Psalm 90 verse 12. It says, so teach us to number our days that we may gain the heart of wisdom. Teach me to number my days. You know, it's, it's better to be in the house of mourning than the house of feasting. Teach me to number my days. Life is life is short. Life is precious. Death is death is inevitable. So teach me to number my days. What am I doing now? Am I am I living after God's will, or am I trying to press my own agenda? Right. He takes it further here, um, saying that sorrow is better than laughter. Now, laughter isn't wrong. I, I, I want to tell you that straight up. Laughter isn't wrong. There's always a, there's a time for laughter. There's a time for mourning. We saw that in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, that there's a time and a season for everything. Right? But he what he's looking for here is balance. Yeah? There's a time for mourning. There's a time for laughter. What he's saying here is that sorrow is just better than laughter. And in this moment, it will be, it, it, it gives you clarity, it gives you something to like actually think about. Laughter is meant, it is kind of like, helps you drown your sorrows. Helps you kind of like, like, take your mind off something, you laugh. But mourning is something that is needed. Uh, same with, you know, like mourning is something needed, sorrow is something needed. 
He finishes saying there is more wisdom in the house of mourning, and that is a true that is that is a very true statement. Because we often do more contemplation, soul searching, heart searching in the house of mourning than we ever would in the house of feasting. We oftentimes see things that in our own lives that we probably need to change more when we're mourning than when we're having a blast out there feasting. So moving on, uh, we will once again, in the next point here, we'll next once again see the comparison between wisdom and folly. So it says in uh, verses 5 through 9, It is better to listen to the rebuke of a wise man than for a fool to listen to the song of fools. Or than for one to listen to the song of fools. For the crackling of th- uh, crackling, for as the crackling of thorn bushes under a pot, so is the laughter of fools. And this too is futility. For oppression makes a wise man mad, and a bribe corrupts the heart. The end of the matter is better than the beginning. Patience of spirit is better than haughtiness of spirit. Do not be ang- Do not be eager in your heart to be angry, for anger resides in the bosom of fools. So. Solomon has already gone through entertainment and trying to find meaning through it. We spent a couple messages at the at the beginning of this book um, with him looking to find meaning and coming back to it once again, like looking for something in the same spot twice. Right now, the idea here, when he says the laughter of fools or the song of fools, is the idea of pleasure or seeking to be entertained momentarily. Right? His thought in regard to this idea is that momentary ease or comfort is quickly extinguished, like thorns um, under a pot. Now, if any of you have ever built a fire, you'll know that if you throw, uh, say, a couple branches, twigs, under the fire with some dry grass or some wood chips or some paper or I like to use dryer lint. It actually it works wonderfully. Um, whatever it is you may be using as kindling, it, it goes up instantly, right? And it crackles and disapp- disappears. Right? That is the idea that he's going with here, right? It the idea is that uh, the the laughter of fools and all this. Um, is that the laughter of fools and the song of fools is like kindling under a fi- kindling in a fire. It's vanity. It's just, it's here today, it's gone tomorrow. It's quick, it's gone, it's temporary. And he finds it better to be rebuked by the wise than to seek out entertainment for the very reason that it's all temporary. He says it's vanity or futility, depending on whatever translation you're reading. They mean the same thing. I'm going to go with vanity. It's vanity. This is in verses 7 through 8. For oppression makes a wise man mad, and a bribe corrupts the heart. The end of the matter is better than its beginning. Patience of spirit is better than haughtiness of spirit. Now, I want to say there is a limit to the adversity and suffering we go through. Right? We need to find that balance, as I mentioned earlier. 
or else the oppression will make us mad. Then he goes on here to say that uh, a bribe corrupts the heart. Now, I really love how Warren Wearsby put it. He says, Bribery appeared to be, appears to be a quick way to get things done, but it only turns a wise man into a fool and encourages the corruption already in the human heart. Far better that we wait patiently and humbly for God to work out his will than we get angry and demand our own way. See, we oftentimes try to find the quickest way to do something. Whether it means getting home from school or work, or if you have a job, like work, if you have a job, a, a friend's house, a sporting event, or uh, any other thing, any other place you may be. Right? I know it's true for me, because um, when I'm driving home from work, I live literally like 10 minutes from where I work. And... I get really bad road rage. It's not something I'm proud of. I'm trying to work on it. Uh, but I do. And if I'm driving home and somebody cuts me off and adds like a minute to my time from home from work, and it's like, oh my gosh, I could be home by now. I had a minute or two and they're going slower than the speed limit or slower than what I may be going. Um, I get really mad. Because right? I'm trying to get there as fast as I can. I'm trying to get home as fast as I can. Now, we need to be careful in life not to take shortcuts, right? Like, for me, I, I could be, I'm not really taking a shortcut. I'm just trying to get home faster, which is, try, I'm trying to shorten my trip, right? But in life, we often try to make shortcuts, and it brings us more pain. Right? <laughs> we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be looking for shortcuts in life. Solomon says at the end here that the uh, says here that the end of something is better than the beginning and that being patient is better than being proud. I feel like that's that's really good because we as believers have a have an end that we can truly look forward to. You know, we know what our end is. The end game is is eternity. And there's no shortcuts in life. There's no shortcuts to it. You know, we go when, when, when it's our time, when our number is called, when God when God says it's our time, that's when it's our time. We can't try to go, get there faster. We can't speed to get there faster. We can't take shortcuts to get there faster. We get there when we get there. We get there when it's God's will for us to get there. But on the same same thought, Solomon here, or the view that Solomon is, thinks that the end is better because, you know, it's just meaningless is done. The end of something is better because I'm finally away from meaninglessness. But what they're not seeing is that they're headed towards an end of eternal torment. There is no end to it. But their end is eternal torment. The complete opposite of what we have to look forward to. And and I don't want that for anybody. I hope you don't want that for anybody. God can use us and we're to be going out and, and bringing in the lost. At least telling them about the hope that they could have. Not keeping it to ourselves.
Lastly, we must be uh, we must beware impatience that leads to anger. And do not have a proud spirit, but have a patient one, right? We need to be patient. We will get to heaven, but not in our own time. Moving on, in verses 10 through 12, we see the next point. It says, do not say, why is, that, why is it that the former days are better than these? For it is not a, from the wisdom that you ask about this. Wisdom along with an inheritance is good and an advantage to those who see the sun. For wisdom is protection just as money is protection, but the advantage of knowledge is that wisdom preserves the lives of its possessors. So, we love to look back at the former days or the past and say, they were so much better. Why Why were they so much better? Why can't I go back to pre-COVID? Why can't I go back to, uh, for me, why can't I go back to working as a, uh, just a laborer and not having uh, any major things in my life that I had to look after, like a mortgage car payments and, um, you know, dog food and, and, and making sure bill like and just adulting in general, right? That's why can't I go back to school when I didn't have to worry about that? We always look at the former things and wish we were back, right? And and there are there are Christians today who look back at the early church and say, "Man, I wish we were as bold as they were. Look at all the miracles that were happening. Look at the churches that were being raised up and." And just the, how the spirit worked back then. Why can't it be the same today? Why can't we just do it today? Why is it that the former days were better? Now, it says in Hebrews chapter 13, 8, Jesus, is the, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, we need to trust that God will still work today. We're gonna, we could look back 10, 15 years from now and be like, Man, I wish we were back there. It, there's always something in the past that we wish we could get back to, even if it wasn't that great in the, in the present when we're not living through it. Now, even the Jews looked back and remembered the former things. Right? Those who had, uh, there, there were Jews who were alive when Ezra came to Jerusalem and rebuilt the temple that were alive when Solomon was writing this, when Solomon built his temple, the, the first temple. And it was written that it was so, like, the, if you read the description, it, like, it's beyond anything I could sum it up to be. It, it was amazing. We don't have any pictures of it, but we can see from reactions here that the Jews who were around when the temple was built they mourned for the former days. It says in Ezra, chapter 3, verses 12 through 13, Yet many of the priests and Levites and heads of the fathers' households, the old men who had seen the first temple, wept with a loud voice when the foundations of this house was laid before their eyes. While many shouted aloud for joy so that the people could not distinguish the sound 
of the sh uh, sound of the shout of joy from the sound of weeping of the people, for the people shouted with a loud shout, and the sound was heard far away. So even they look back at the former things and were like, man, this isn't even that great. God was so much better back then when he had that amazing temple. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Temple, though we're to be giving the best to God, the temple didn't matter. It was the heart attitude that mattered. So we love to ask this question, why? Why can't I go back? But we're not willing to trust that God will work the same as he the same today as he did back then. If we're so willing to ask why, we need to be willing to trust and have faith that God will work. Solomon then points out the idea that is foundational to this under the sun way of thinking that wealth and money are your only defense. If you want to live your best life, you need wealth and money. Now there's a teaching out there that's called the prosperity gospel. I believe I've mentioned it once or twice. But the idea of the main idea of the prosperity gospel is live your best life now. You know, give to the church, uh, give a lot and you'll get a lot in return and you'll be rewarded and you'll be able to live now in comfort. Now, now first off, that's not biblical. Our best life is ahead of us in heaven, not now on earth. And personally, I would rather have my reward in heaven than on earth. I don't know about you guys. Under the sun, way, under the sun thinking says, live your best life now. The Bible says, store up your treasures in heaven. Under the sun way of thinking says, uh, you will have comfort if you pay, if you, if you give to the church, you will prosper. The Bible says, in this world, you will have troubles. They're opposite. And this leads, this, this idea that living your best life now, it kind of leads us to the next point, which is uh, wise to consider God. It says in verses 13 through 14, Consider the work of God, who is able to straighten what he has bent. In the day of prosperity, be happy, but in the day of adversity, consider. God has made one as well as the other, so that man will not discover anything that will be after him. So, we see Solomon returning to this idea once again, of God, whether it be God, the true God, or just this I, this similar God that he's talked about already once or, once or twice before. But he says, who is able to make straight what God has bent? Do you have the power to contend with God? Can you make straight what he has bent? Just picture it this way. You, just being you. Young kids, right? Youth. Not not super strong. I wouldn't say you, some of you guys are decently strong. I wouldn't say you guys are weak. But picture uh, like the world's strongest man coming up and 
and, and bending a lead pipe. Now, are you able to straighten that pipe? I can tell you this right now. The answer is probably no. No, I'm actually going to change that. The answer is most definitely no. Right? You can't make straight what that guy has been. So why you have you can't make straight what that strong man has been. So why would you be able to make straight what God has bent? A commentator put it this way: There is no standing before a lion, no hoisting up a sail in a storm, no contending with the Almighty. God, God is very powerful, and we can't even match His power. So we've already seen today that it is wise to face the reality of death and that you can't take shortcuts in life and that the end is better than the beginning and that uh, the best life is ahead of us, not here on earth. And taking all this into consideration, it is wise to consider the power of God. It's wise to consider his power. Solomon bring, Solomon then brings up the the one uh, brings up the one I, one of the ideas that he has uh, stated over and over again, and I can tell you right now it's not that all is vanity. The statement is take the good and the bad. It's like just live with it. You know, life is meaningless, so might as well just make the best of it. He says in verse fourteen, in the day of prosperity. Be happy, but in the day of adversity, consider God. What uh, God has made the one as well as the other, so that man will not discover anything that will come after him. So, take the lot in life. Uh, take the lot that you've been given and just make the best of it. It's the same idea as the previous point. Live your best life now. Right. God appoints both, so just make the best of it. You know, you'll have good days, you'll have bad days, just live with it. Now, now it is true that we will have good days and that we'll have bad days. But it shouldn't lead us to despair because we know that in this life we will have troubles, but be of good cheer. He has overcome the world, as it says in John sixteen thirty three. Though we may have bad days, we know that we have a future of a hope. Uh, uh, no, we have a hope for a future that has no more bad days. Solomon just can't get past this. I this under the sun thinking that life is set on this cycle or system or a cycle or system of meaninglessness. He can't get past it. He ends here by saying, God does all of this so that we can't find out what happens after. Now, I want to tell you guys a little secret. The truth here is that we probably will never, it's not a problem, we will never truly understand what comes after this life until we, were, we are in the afterlife. Right? All we know is what the Bible says. And we put our faith and our trust in what the Bible says. We just need to have faith that God knows what he's doing and God knows what's best for us. He 
he wants what's best for us, why would he do anything wrong? Why would he do anything to to hurt us, to, to not lead us to what's best for us? So yes, there will be hard days. But trust God through the hard times. God often works works the most in the hard times to teach us to live teach us teach us different things that, that we may not know that we need to apply. The hard times is the fire we go through to purify us, to make us more like God, to more make us more like Jesus, more of his image and less of ourselves. So in case you guys were wondering, just this is a side note here, uh, just before we wrap up, if you guys want to do some reading, I encourage you guys to read up on Job. Job's a perfect example of how to how to live for God through the hard times. That's he's in the Bible for that reason because he got wrecked by Satan. But trusted, but but his his faith in God. Was, was stable. He trusted God through the hard times. Even when he couldn't see. He showed faith. So. I encourage you to read up on that. He's a perfect example of. Living for God through the hard times. So in conclusion this morning. Death is a reality. You know you can't ignore it. It is better to face the reality. Than try to ignore the fact. Also, there's often more contemplation and heart searching in the house of mourning. The house of mourning is overall better. We often, the next thing was we often try to find the quickest way to do something. But we need to be careful not to take shortcuts in life because they oftentimes bring more pain. As believers, we can we have an end that we can look forward to, but we need to be patient. Paul tells us in Philippians 1 21 to live that to live is Christ and to die is gain. We can't take shortcuts in life. And next we see that uh, we saw that we could uh, we can look back at the past and say that life was better back then or that God worked more back then. We can ask why but are we willing to trust that God still works today. Under the sun way of thinking says live your best life now. The Bible says store your treasures in heaven. And finally, we shouldn't be just living to take the good and the bad and make the best of it. We need to trust that the victory has already been won and that we have the fu- have a future where there will be no more bad days. We also don't know exactly what life will be after this life here on earth. The truth is we may not understand. But we need to have faith that God knows what he's doing. It's as simple as that. So I'll pray and then we will be done this morning. So Heavenly Father, I thank you for uh, for this passage, Lord. I thank you that that the hard times are that that you give us hard times 
Lord, I want to learn through the hard times. Lord, I just pray that when we are in those hard times, that we take to heart whatever it is you want to teach us. When we're in that house of mourning, when we're when sorrow is more is 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 easier to find than than laughter. Lord, help us to trust you and put our faith in you and know it's all going to work out in your for you. Lord, I pray for the youth as they head into this week, Lord, that they be lights for you, that they truly live for you. Lord, I pray this all in your name. Amen.